0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our Sunday morning online worship experience. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. For those of you that continue to give online, thank you so much for your generosity. You've allowed us to help so many more people. Our next food pantry will be around the beginning of December as we enter into the Christmas holidays. And so for those of you that continue to give, it's going to go to a great cause. For those of you that continue to watch online and share these links with your friends and family and people that you know, thank you so much. People are tuning in from all over the state and really all over the United States, and that's a really cool thing. We hope it's very helpful for them, so thank you so much for that. You know, most of us wake up every single day, and we hope that today is going to be better and easier and more peaceful and more comforting than yesterday. We want this week to be better than last week, hopefully, and this year is going to be better than last year, but we all know that life is extremely challenging, and those challenges in our life can produce questions. Questions about faith, questions about God, questions about the world, questions about heartache and pain and suffering. And I think it already sort of comes down, like I've told you over the past few weeks, is how we view God. The way that we view God, the way that we view Jesus can actually help our heartache and pain. It can actually heal us on the inside or it can make our heartache and our pain, our uncertainty and our confusion even worse. And so the way we view God is very, very important. Is he the puppet master in the sky who's pulling all the strings Causing everything to happen, good or bad, or does he work in a different way? And have you ever been through something, something that made you just want to ask why deep down in your soul? Why is this happening to me? Why am I dealing with this? How come I can't cope? What's going on? What's going to happen? Why is this going on? So many of us go through those things, and so many of you have been through this very same thing lately. But how does God work? Well, in three major ways, and we've pointed this out over the past couple of weeks. He creates. He instills and he renews. In the text, we see God as the creator. Genesis 1, 1 says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Our God created everything. He created you and I and all of creation and all of the universe. But our God is also a God who instills. In Romans chapter five, it says that God has instilled the Holy Spirit into our life and the Holy Spirit instills love into our heart faith into our heart, hope into our heart, conviction into our heart, purpose, significance into our heart, forgiveness, kindness, tenderness into our heart. So our God is a God who instills. To instill means to firmly plant a truth inside the heart and mind of someone else. That's what God does. He creates and then he instills into his creation. And the Bible says that he also renews. All throughout the scripture, it says that God renews our mind. He renews our life, our strength, our salvation. He is a God who makes things new. When you go through weak times in this life, he's a God who instills hope in you to renew you so you can stand back up. So either God controls everything that happens, good or bad, or God causes everything that happens, good or bad, like a puppet master, or God works in a different way. I happen to believe that the scriptures teach that God works in a different way, and this is what it is. If you're still with me today, Sam's still with you. God created everything. He also created and instilled principles into the universe that determine how life and creation works. If we apply these principles in the right way, it pays off. If we apply them in the wrong way, they backfire. And these principles, like we talked about over the past few weeks, they're not bad. They're not good. They just are. You can be a Christian. You can be a non-Christian. You can be someone uh, who's never even heard about God before, but if you apply these principles to your life in a positive way, they will absolutely pay off. If you apply them in a negative way, they will absolutely backfire in your life. But here's the deal. When you start to apply these God-instilled principles in the universe to your life, it's gonna open the door for God to reveal himself to you to instill faith inside of you so you can see who God really is, and it's going to make your relationship with him that much more real and deeper. It's also going to open up the door in your life for peace, direction, hope, peace, and significance. For instance, here's a principle that when God created the universe, he instilled into the universe in our life, and it's not bad, it's not good, it's just true. No matter what we believe about it, it's not going to change the truth of this principle, and this is what it is. You harvest what you plant, or you reap What you sow, that's not just true for farming and agriculture, but it's also true in our life, in our faith, in our decisions. In fact, Paul told the Galatians in the context of doing good. He says, you guys are doing amazing things. Keep doing amazing things because in due time, You reap what you sow, which means it's going to pay off. If you keep applying this principle in a positive way, it's going to reward your life. But we also know this. We also reap what we sow in a negative way. And so if we make the wrong choices and decisions in our life or in different areas of our life, it backfires. These principles determine really how God works in our life. And if we open up the door for God to work in our life. I had a good friend in high school who I played basketball with. But his junior year, he had to stop playing ball because we found out that he had a heart condition. He had this enlarged heart and this enlarged artery. And so he had to go to New Orleans, and he had to have open heart surgery, and they had to put an artificial valve in his heart. And it was really crazy because you could put your ear up to his chest, and as the blood was going through that artificial valve, you could hear the metal ticking. You could just hear it ticking as you listened to his chest. And sometimes we talk about the heart. And sometimes when we talk about the heart, we're talking about our literal heart that part of us that pumps blood through our body and keeps us alive. But most of the time when you and I talk about our heart in everyday life, we're talking about something else. When we talk about our heart, we're talking about our inner self. We're talking about our inner soul. We're talking about our emotions and our feelings, the core of who we are. That's our heart. When I talk about my heart, I'm talking about that part of me that gets nervous when I see my 12-year-old son, Jagger, play tackle football. When I talk about my heart, I'm talking about the part of me that hurts when I hear about kids being bullied at school When I talk about my heart, I'm talking about the part of me that gets excited for the holidays. When I talk about my heart, I'm talking about the part of me that feels pain and love and joy and hurt and God. It's also that part of us that begins relationships and sometimes it ends relationships, our heart. And as we live this life, our heart gets influenced by so many things. We grow guilty in our heart over time. We grow angry. We grow jealous. We grow greedy in our heart over time. Something has happened in our heart. And we were taught from the time we were kids that good behavior gets rewarded and bad behavior gets punished. And so for most of our life, this is what we do. We learn to pay attention and to control our behaviors, and we learn to modify our behaviors in front of other people because good behavior gets rewarded, bad behavior gets punished, and so for most of our life, the only thing we do is just modify what we show people in our behaviors or we hide it, but we don't pay much attention to the real issue, and that's our heart, which dictates and drives why we do what we do. After my friend's heart surgery, I told you I could hear his literal heart ticking. That's not something that you hear every day. I cannot hear my literal heart ticking, but I can hear my other heart. I can hear the core of who I am every day. I can sense and feel and hear the pain in my heart and the hope and the joy and the hurt and the voice of God in my heart, in my soul, in the core of who I am. And I know my heart like no one else does. And guess what? You know your heart like no one else does too. And not everyone's gonna understand my heart and not everyone's gonna understand your heart. And sometimes other people can judge you and sometimes other people can form opinions about you without ever hearing your heart. We do this to each other all the time. We form opinions and judgments about other people without ever hearing or getting to know or seeing their heart. And in the New Testament, Jesus had a lot to say about our hearts. You and I are living in a day of instant feedback. Does anyone know the year, um, maybe you can guess while you're at home listening or wherever you are, the year that Facebook first came out to the public? It was the first time it opened was in September of 2006. Now, the first iPhone or smartphone didn't come out later until 2007, and so before the first smartphone came out, if you wanted to get on Facebook or MySpace or whatever, you had to go home after a long day of work or whatever it is you were doing, and once you got relaxed, and ate dinner or whatever, and then you had some time to yourself, then you would get on your computer, and you would check your social media. If you wanted to do that, you had to do that, but once the iPhone came out, you could get on social media anytime you wanted. You can get on social media at the restaurant, in church, while you're driving, at home, walking down the road, driving down the road. If you got your phone, then you can get on social media. And that was was over 10 years ago, a long time ago, (laughs) which means over the past several years, our world and our culture has changed completely over the past 14 or so years. We now live in a day of instant feedback. And this is what I mean. People post different aspects of their life on social media, like Facebook. Pictures of their family, pictures of the vacations, pictures of their house, statuses about their self, statuses about what's going on in their life, pictures about their food, their church, their favorite concert. But not only do people post pictures, they also post statuses like their favorite poem, notes from their sermon that they heard on Sunday that meant a lot to them, or rants about other people, opinions about politics or social issues, opinions about life, opinions about world events, reminders about social events, personal stuff, prayer requests, relationship stuff, and on and on. And when we post it, it goes out immediately into the social media world for everyone to see, and then you and I get instant feedback. Likes, dislikes, angry faces, comments, judgments, whatever, praise, people like or dislike or whatever instantly. Boy, that food looks delicious. Man, y'all's pantry is empty. What can we bring? Stuff like that. And so now whoever follows you on social media can instantly see your life. They can instantly see your pics, your opinions, your statuses, and people form opinions about that. And a lot of these people are not necessarily your close friends. They're people that you know, maybe. They're people that you work with. They're people you go to church with. There are friends of friends who kind of know about you. Maybe maybe you went to school with them 15 years ago, people who you used to be pretty close to. I got back on Facebook a few years ago just to sort of administrate the church account. It's not like a full-blown Facebook account. But before, several years ago, in the early days of the Water's Edge, I had a full-blown Facebook account and I had over 3,000 friends on it. 3,000 friends. Now, everyone listen to me and look at me. I don't have that many friends in real life. Real friends and Facebook friends are not the same thing. Facebook friends are not real life. But now you have all of these people who follow you, and now they can get to know things about you, and they would have never known about you before. And so all these people that follow you now, all of a sudden, they would have never known a before, but now they can know where you go to church or if you do, where you went on vacation, your last birthday party and how it went, who you voted for, if you voted at all, what kind of music that you like, if you're having a bad day, if you're having a good day. Instantly, people can know so many things about your life that just 14, 15 years ago, they would have never known these things. And they can instantly form an opinion about you or a judgment right away. We all do this to each other, and they can do this without ever getting to know your heart, without ever getting to know you, the true you. We're living in a society now today due to social media of instant feedback, and this has just happened over the past 15 years, since 2007. Our world has completely changed, and it has caused a lot of division in our society. Because now, if you don't like or agree with what someone else puts on social media about life, about God, about church, about politics, about where they live, about beliefs, about opinions, about whatever, you can now form a judgment and an opinion about them, and you can do this without ever getting to know them and their heart. Now, let's rewind 14, 15 years, not too long ago. Let's go back to 2005, okay? Let's go back there. In 2005, in order for you to know how someone else truly felt about life, family, God, Jesus, religion, church, politics, opinions, the cute little puppy that you dress in a sweater at Christmas time, whatever it is, your new job, your old boss, your new spouse, your old spouse, the hamburger you just ate at Cotton's just 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 years ago, just going back to 05, The only way for you to know any of that about anyone else before the instant feedback of social media is you had to be friends with them in real life, close friends. And notice this, notice this today. Through a real close personal relationship with someone else is how you really get to know their heart. In 2005, the only real way for you to know how I felt about the world, how I felt about government, who I voted for, if I voted, why I believe the way I believe about the world, hurt, heartache, love, compassion, God, Jesus, what makes me happy, what makes me sad, is for you to be close enough to me to have a very real, deep, and personal conversation with me. Just back to 2005, the only way you could ever know those things about me before you could ever form an opinion about me, was to know me well enough to have a relationship with me that was deep enough in order for us to have those types of conversations. Because I don't know about you, I don't walk up to strangers and say, guess who I voted for, guess what I believe about Jesus, or guess what I think about hamburgers, or guess what I think about my new pet kitty. Like, I don't do that. But now we put that all on social media and people can see all those things. But before, you'd had to be close enough to me in order for us to have a deep enough friendship for me to tell you about those things. And even if you disagreed with me back then, if you got to know me well enough before you heard those opinions that I have and those beliefs that I have, because you had to have gotten to know me well enough back in 2005 and before for me to share those things with you. And so if you knew me well enough, and then there came a time when I shared some of those things with you. You're not going to immediately say, well, I'm just going to not be your friend anymore. I'm going to unfriend you in real life. I don't like your opinions. No, because we took time to build a deep enough relationship that when I finally shared some opinions or beliefs or whatever it is I was going through with you, you're not going to immediately judge me because you know me and you know my heart. And the people that we knew through work, school, church, our kids, neighborhood, casually, They would never really know any of these things about us unless we had a deep enough relationship. So, therefore, today people are divided because now everyone can know anything about us instantly without ever knowing our heart. Now, let me give you some advice. If you're still with me, Sam, still with you, people in our culture today are divided, and we cannot control what anyone else puts on social media. So, if you find yourself judging or Or forming an opinion about people that you kind of know, or maybe you know a little bit, or whatever it is based off of something that they put or put out there on social media. Why don't you try doing this if it offended you, if it hurt you, or whatever it is? Instead of just writing those people off, why don't you try doing this? Just unfriend them and unfollow them. You say, Well, Tony, I don't want to not be friends with them. Facebook friends does not equal real friends in real life. Let's get out of junior high, let's be adults. Facebook friends, social media friends does not equal real friends in real life. And I found that even when close friends have differences, they're still good friends. Everyone who's listening to me today has a heart. A heart that loves, a heart that dreams, a heart that gets sad, a heart that hurts, and a heart that hopes. Stop judging people when you do not know their True heart. You so, say, well, Tony, I, I can see their heart in social media. No, you can't. Say, so, I disagree. You're wrong. You cannot get to know someone first. Now, here's the thought. Maybe get to know your own heart first. Before you start casting judgments on other people, calling other people trash or, or ungodly or an unholy or a clown or whatever it is, maybe get to know your own heart first because in your own heart, there's a war, enemies, monsters, secrets, and if you do not deal with them, they can damage, and notice this today, if you're still with me, say I'm still with you, your relationships, your character, and your faith. Your relationships, your character, and your faith. Now, our heart has enemies, and today we're gonna start with some of these enemies, and then I'm gonna give you some God-instilled principles that'll help us overcome these enemies, it'll bring peace to our life, and open up the door for God to work in our life and success in our life, peace in our life, purpose, and hope in our life. And so the first monster I wanna to talk to you about today in our heart is guilt. This is what guilt says. Guilt says, I owe you because I hurt you. And this practice uh, of guilt so many times just drags us down, but here's the deal. There's this practice that can help us defeat guilt, and this is what it is. And this is the principle that God has instilled Into the universe, he teaches us this in the scripture. But so many times we have guilt in our heart because we know I hurt you and so I may owe you. But the one thing that can conquer that monster in your heart is the principle of confession. James said this, he says, confess your sins, not just to God, but to each other. And so you know if you've hurt somebody and you have this guilt in your heart and you feel like I owe them something, the only thing you owe them is a confession. It's the truth. Just be very real with them, the person that you hurt. Another monster that we have in our heart is anger. Anger says, you owe me because you hurt me. Guilt says, I owe you because I hurt you. And the solution is confession. But anger says, you owe me because you hurt me. And the practice or the principle that helps us defeat anger is this. And God instilled this into the universe. This principle will open up the door for God to work in your life and peace in your life, and that's forgiveness. And forgiveness doesn't make people pay you back. Forgiveness lets it go. Forgiveness drops it. Forgiveness lets the other person rest on the inside while you don't hold over their head what you've done to them or what they've done to you, I mean. Forgiveness is when you don't make them pay you what you think they owe you. That's what forgiveness is. And there's a lot of people today that stay so angry after years and years and years because they were hurt at one time and they never got over this feeling that they were owed something because someone else hurt them. You can go through a divorce. You can have a betrayal in your family. Something can happen with your work. Something can happen with a neighbor, a friend, someone at school, whatever it is. You're hurt, cut deeply. You're angry and in your heart, you're thinking, they owe me. And if you never let go of this, they owe me then you'll never learn how to forgive, let it go. So our heart has these enemies. The next enemy to hurt our heart is this, and notice this, if you still miss him still with you, it's greed, and so if guilt says I owe you and anger says you owe me, then what does greed say? People with greed in their heart are scared because greed wears a mask. Most people say, yeah, I struggle with guilt and anger at times, but I'm not really greedy at all. In fact, I've never met anyone who's admitted, hey, I'm greedy. In fact, I've I've never had anyone walk up to me after church and say, Pastor Tony, pray for me. I'm a really greedy person. The reason greed wears a mask is because we like to hide our greed behind what we call good things. And so it wears a mask. So greed's hard to see in yourself, but chances are other people see it in you. They see your greed all the time. Greedy people talk a lot and worry a lot about their stuff, their money. Greedy people do not give to others cheerfully. They don't like to share. They're very poor losers. They will not let you forget what you have done to them. Greedy people are not content in life and they try to control others with their power. And greed is not a stuff issue because I've met rich people who are greedy and I've met poor people who are greedy. Greed is a heart issue. And so this is what greed actually says. Guilt says I owe you. Anger says you owe me. But notice this, this is what greed says. If you're still with me, so I'm still with you. Greed says, I owe me. Guilt says, I owe you. Anger says, you owe me. But my greed says now, I owe me. This is my life, my stuff, my money, my time, my hard work, my thoughts, my way, my feelings, my freedoms, mine. I had nothing growing up. I made this. I earned this. I worked hard for this. Me. Me. First, when you wake up in the morning, you think about you. When you go throughout the day, you think about you. When you lay down at night, you think about you. If you hurt someone else and you see that they're hurting, all of a sudden, you think about how their hurting's making you feel because you're greedy. It's me before you, me before others, me before needs, me before hunger, me before anyone. We're born greedy, and most of us die greedy, and when you die, your stuff is gonna to go to someone else. Notice what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Why would Jesus say, guard your life against every kind of greed? Because this is why, because greed is subtle. It's hard to see in yourself. And in the New Testament letters, Paul calls greed, check this out, an abomination to God. We have a lot of Christians and church people out there today they love to talk about who they think are abominations. Oh, the Bible says this is an abomination. I've never heard those same people say, man, I think I'm, my greed's an abomination. But that's what the Bible says. It's hard to see in yourself. The greedy person thinks this, and remember this today. Notice this, my stuff is my life. My stuff is my life. So greed will cause you to put your stuff before your relationships, your character, and your faith. And the driving force behind your greed Is fear. Fear in your heart. What if I run out of my stuff? What if my stuff isn't enough? What if they have more than me? What if I don't get my fair share? What if is a question of fear? So, what's the Jesus habit that can break the power of greed in our life? What's the principle that God instilled into the universe that if anyone in the world applies to their life, it'll break the monster of greed in their heart? This is what it is. If you're ready for it, say I'm ready. It's generosity. Generosity kills greed in your heart. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and do not give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Let me read that last line again. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. You will never feel significant in this life until you start to give away your life so you can live for something bigger than yourself. Jesus says, if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. So break the power of greed and give. Give to people, give to your family, give to the hungry, give to pantry, give to hurting people, give to the homeless, give to your church if you love it. But if you want to break the monster of greed in your heart, apply the principle of generosity and let your stuff serve a bigger purpose. So guilt says, I owe you. Anger says, you owe me. Greed says, I owe me. But let's talk about one more monster today in principle before we finish. What's another enemy in our heart that can hurt our relationships, character, and faith? And notice this today: it's jealousy. So if guilt says, I owe you, and anger says, you owe me, and greed says, I owe me, then what does jealousy mean? say. In the story of human relationships, jealousy has been a very destructive monster, and when we think of jealousy, we think of what other people have that we don't have. That's why we get jealous. We don't have the looks that they have. We don't have the money that they have. We don't have the opportunities, the connections, the job, the attention that they have. I don't give what they got. Other people have a family that I don't have. They have a house that I don't have. They have Uh, Health, they have willpower that I have, popularity that I don't have. And so jealousy says this, and notice this today. You're still with me, I'm still with you. Jealousy says, God owes me. God owes me. Jealousy says, God, you have blessed other people in ways that you have not blessed me. You've protected other people, you've helped other people, you've provided for other people, you've delivered for other people in ways that you have not done for me. So, God, I'm jealous of them, and God, you owe me. You've not been as good to me as you have been to them. And the driving force behind jealousy is really the driving force behind all of our relationship problems, our guilt, our anger, and our greed. James chapter four, verse one, this is what it is. What is causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? So what causes all of this relationship mess in our life? James says it's your desires that are at war in your heart. So in other words, we have desires inside of us that spill out onto other people around us like jealousy, greed, anger, and guilt. 15 years ago, that would only happen, that would only happen to the people that you knew. But now because of social media, It happens to us every single day because all we have to do is click on that app on our phone and then all these pictures and statuses start coming up that reminds us all over again how everyone's life must be better than ours. This is why sometimes as a pastor, I put it out there when I'm struggling so people can identify with me because they may be struggling too. And so the driving force, James says, behind our jealousy and guilt and anger and greed is this, and notice this today. If you're still with me, I'm still with you, it's you. It's you. Your jealousy, your fear, your anger, guilt, and greed all have one thing in common. They're yours. It's you. You're the driving force. And we get jealous when you want something, but you don't get it. And so we blame God for not taking care of us like he took care of someone else. So what's the solution? Here's the principle. Here's the principle that can break the power of jealousy in our life. It's honesty honesty with yourself. We have hurt our relationships, our character and our faith because of guilt, anger, greed and jealousy because we do not get what we want. And once you're honest with yourself about your selfish desires, then you can put them out of your life once you're honest with yourself. And so the next time you're tempted to judge or condemn or form an opinion about someone based off of social media or something you heard, maybe evaluate why you feel that way about them. Maybe evaluate why you hold other people to standards that you don't hold yourself to. Maybe evaluate why you get mad at people for doing the same things you do. And maybe try to go and actually get to know them and their heart. They deal with guilt just like you. They deal with anger just like you. They deal with greed and jealousy just like you. And that can make your heart more open, tender, patient, and Christ-like. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We love you. Can't wait to see you back next week.